Welcome to the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Martha. And our mission is to connect the past and the present Nikki Mom by celebrating our stories and what our babies have overcome. Whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hi, mamas. <laughs> Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. It's your host, Martha. Oh, and <laughs> I normally say the and. I'm so sorry. Let like, me try it again. Um, um, and. <laughs> uh, it's your host, Martha and. <laughs> Ashley. No, did I to do too uh, much on the and? I didn't know. Oh, it, this okay. is what happens. We're reacclimating to the real world and I don't know how to be a person anymore. <laughs> I feel you. I was just waiting for it. I just kind of hung there and, w- and waited and it came. It's there. I I am so grateful to be here with you today. It feels like it's been a while since we recorded. So It has been a while. Um, And a few weeks ago, I don't, I don't know if it's okay to share this, but you and I hugged. Yes, it was so spontaneous and random, but that yes. kind of made it even more special. It was so crazy. It was nuts. <laughs> we were both at the grocery store. We ran into each other. Oh, wait, hold week. on. We weren't oh. just at any grocery store. Right oh, I'm now. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We were at um our Lord and Savior's home Target. <laughs> um, and lots of beautiful things have happened in Target. We yeah. were at Target and my husband was like, is that Ashley? And I saw, I just saw your boots and I was like, yeah, it's, of course it's Ashley. Duh. Shut up. <laughs> and you know, we were, you know, everybody's all masked up and socially distanced, but we like ran across the, the produce aisle to give each other a big hug. And we hadn't hugged in like over a year. We literally hadn't hugged since COVID. And I just remember hearing my name like, Ashley, Ashley. And yeah. there was like a billion people there. Like we definitely weren't the only ones in the produce <laughs> section. And I went and I started jumping up and down as if like we never saw each other before. We had just <laughs> seen each other like two days prior and we had been texting 15 minutes before, but it's like, we've never seen each other. <laughs> we've so never cool. seen each other. And so then oh. I leap across the Brussels sprouts and leap across the onion stand mm-hmm. and there you were and we were hugging and I like, we pulled apart and we were like, did we just hug for the first time? <laughs> and Zach was like so confused. <laughs> yeah. Zach was like what did something like happen why were you so emotional and I was like shut up you don't understand (laughs) that's where we were but it was really fun and I'm I I know there's a lot to get through you know in this pandemic and there's there's a lot that still needs to happen but it did feel really nice to have like a sense of of a real human interaction it did. It was so special. Yeah. Um, speaking of wonderful real human interactions, um, yes. you know, on this podcast, we have the opportunity to interview experts about NICU experiences, about maternal mental health, but we also have the divine opportunity, mm-hmm. and it really is divine, mm-hmm. to interview NICU mamas from around the world. And it is the biggest blessing. And that's exactly what we're doing today. Today, we have Lexa LaPointe uh, on the podcast. Hi, Lexa. You want to say hi? Hello. <laughs> Lexa, we have known Lexa for a really long time. Mm-hmm. She has written letters for our social media and for our blog. She was also a part of our um, Mother's Day campaign from 2020. Mm-hmm. And that those go back and watch those videos if, if you can, because they're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And Lexi, your perspective and testimony were so, just really beautiful. So thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. When I, when I think of you, Lexa, like you are one of our like founding mamas of Dear Nikki Mama. Like I remember 
coming across your account from like the very beginning. (laughs) And I'm so grateful that you've stuck with us and that you're still like such an active part of our sisterhood. Because when I think of you, I truly think of you as like one of our founding mamas. So it's so fun to finally have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you. I remember when you guys followed me back on Instagram and I felt so cool. I told my mom, (laughs) I was like, mom, they're following me back. (laughs) I love that. Well, you are also a celebrity in our eyes and it was amazing to have you follow us. So the feeling's very mutual. (laughs) Absolutely. That's why I was furious when I realized that I wasn't my personal Instagram and wasn't following you. I was like, what? How is Ashley getting all these updates about Lexa? And I'm not seeing any of them. So I, yeah, we're so, we're so appreciative. And you have such a great perspective to share, um, Mm -hmm. you know, not only as a mom of a preemie, but then going through a high-risk pregnancy after, you know, mm-hmm. what it, so many mamas in the online support group, in our girls' night outs, in our events, they, this idea of getting pregnant again is such, it, it weighs so heavily and it's such a concern mm-hmm. and worry. So um, I think that you walked through it really beautifully. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved anytime you we're sharing in the past year on in the support group or, or asking questions. It just, it, it gave me insight into what a wise person you are. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. So hundred percent. That being said, I wonder, should we start at the very beginning? Yes. Let's do uh, it. As Maria Von Trapp says in the sound of music. <laughs> you gotta throw in those theater references. Once Thank in a you. While. <laughs> okay. I'll start with Allie. So, um, with Allie, her pregnancy, it was so chill. Like <laughs> from the beginning, um, everything was pretty normal. Um, I had the 20 week appointment and everything was fine. Like everything was perfect. And I do remember now looking back at it, like after the 20 week appointment, we, um, I gained like 10 pounds in one week. And I did think that was strange because I was weighing myself every week to just like keep track. I was very strict with everything. Like I'm only supposed to gain 25 pounds. Like I was keeping track of everything. (laughs) What a joke. But um, (laughs) but, so I gained 10 pounds and I was like, hmm, okay. And I went to my next appointment and I did tell the doctor. And I also told her I was drinking a slushie every single day because that's what I was craving. Um, and she told me, she's like, well, just stop drinking slushies. And my blood pressure was actually high in that appointment as well. And that was around 24 weeks. Mm-hmm. And she said, like, you know, it's your first one. It was only in the one thirties. She wasn't really concerned. Um, and I was supposed to go on a trip after that, like the next day. And I went to Georgia to visit uh, my family and and in Georgia I was so swollen and it was like a hundred and three degrees like it was pretty hot when we went in August so I'm like oh it's probably the heat it's okay um but like my hands were really swollen and my feet and my face and I just didn't think anything of it I thought it was the heat I like put my feet up and I just powered through the weekend And then, so that was 24 weeks, around 27 weeks, I, it was a week before my baby shower, 
I was doing mulch because it was the baby shower was going to be at our house. I'm like, everything needs to look really good. And I was also really swollen that day. And um, I, after that, I went to volunteer at the church. I remember, and my foot was really hurt. Not my foot, my leg. My leg was really hurting. And I told Nathan, I thought I had a blood clot. And I was really paranoid. And I was like, I think I have a blood clot. We need to go to med check. We need to get it checked out. And he was kind of like, um, okay, like, I'm sure you're fine. And I was like, no, like, I really think we need to go. So we went to med check and I did not have a blood clot. I don't know what it was. <laughs> but they kind of laughed. They're like, no. And, but my blood pressure was like 160s over 100s. Oh, wow. And um, the nurse is like, I'm going to get the doctor, just really double check. And he went to get the doctor and we had to wait because it was Saturday at like 8 p.m. And I did not know anything about preeclampsia. But I remember one of my friends had preeclampsia and she had just posted about it. So I went back to her post and I was like, oh, I really think blood pressure is related to preeclampsia. So I told the doctor and he's like, I think you need to go to the hospital. I'm like, oh, do you think it's preeclampsia? Like I acted like I knew what it was. I'm like, (laughs) do you think that's what it is? And he said, he's like, yeah, I think um, I'm concerned about that. So I called and they're expecting you. And he told me, he's like, you have to go straight there. You cannot go home. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes. Like, but I was very calm. I'm like, yeah, I'll go there. Like no big deal. (laughs) And I, so I went to the hospital. I texted my sister because she worked there and I told her I was on my way and she asked why. And I I let her know and we're close, like, but we're not like Mm lovey-dovey. And she's like, oh, I'm going to meet you at the front door. Just let me know when you get here. And I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, she wants to say hi to me. How nice of her. Like, (laughs) I'm going to say hi. Like, I'm just sitting around waiting for her because she wasn't there. So I did not go straight up. Um, but then I did and they kept me, so that was Saturday. Yeah. They kept me and they said, we're going to do a 24 hour protein test. And so Sunday comes around and it yeah, it was Sunday at nighttime and they say like, your protein is very high. Um, I had to wait till Monday and that was Labor Day. So everything's pretty chill in the hospitals, like holidays and weekends. So I had to wait for the doctor and actually, my doctor wanted to send me home, so she thought um, that I could just keep track of my blood pressure from home, and she sent, like, all the paperwork to the pharmacy, like, my medicine, uh, like, blood pressure cuff. She's like, we just wanted to hear you from home. And then maternal fetal medicine came in, and they're like, no, no, like, she can't go home. They're like, I think, she. her actual words were, you're a ticking time bomb. Hmm. So you have to stay here. And wow. So that's that's a really chill thing to hear for you as like a pregnant woman in the hospital. I know. I was like, oh, like that's all I remember. I think I blocked out a lot of things, sure. but I remember her saying, you're a ticking time bomb. Wow. Um, and the whole time I will say, I was just so clueless. And I <laughs> called my boss and I was like, I can't go back to work. Like they're not letting me go home. Um, and I said, they said I have preeclampsia and she said, what is that? And I said, I don't know, but I don't want to Google it. Like, I just didn't want to go into Google and look anything up. And I don't know why I didn't just ask more questions. I think I was just in shock with everything. And 
So maternal fetal medicine came in and they said, um, worst case scenario, you'll deliver at 34 weeks, best case 37. And I was only like 27 and five, I think at that point. And I just freaked out. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to be in this hospital for that many weeks. Like Mm -hmm. in this small room, like I just got so claustrophobic. I was freaking out. I did not want to be like on bed rest for that long. Mm -hmm. And then, and I kept telling them like, you know that I have school because I was working on my master's program. Mm -hmm. Like my class starts on Wednesday. Like I got to go. And they just kind of yeah, they were not having it. They, I tried to take it out. They, <laughs> they're like, no, you have to stay here. <laughs> so but it makes sense, right? Like, first of all, I mean, like, you had you ever heard of anybody having to stay in the nick in the in the hospital until they delivered? You know, from twenty seven weeks forward. No, like, and even then, I think that's when it kind of hit me that something wrong was happening but I still I had not I didn't really understand because I remember thinking okay if the baby's gonna come at 34 weeks that's still early that's not 40 weeks so mm-hmm. something bad has to be happening like I still it was not clicking in my brain yeah, yeah. that something bad was happening um and I remember telling that to mom and then that's kind of when it hit me and I started crying I'm like something something's wrong because they said that we're gonna have we may have to deliver early and then they did an ultrasound and she was at 2% growth. Mm. So I think that's when I was officially IUGR. Mm-hmm. So that was Tuesday. And they're like, we're going to do ultrasounds twice a week. And um, MFN just kept seeing me every week, every week, every day. And so, so you that, were on bed rest now, right? Yeah. So okay. I'm like officially okay. on bed rest. They're not letting me go home. Okay. Um, they switched me to a bigger room because then I was going to be there for a while. So that was Tuesday, um, Wednesday. I was feeling okay. I'm like, okay, I literally started a countdown on my whiteboard. Like, I'm going to go home in this many days. Like, yeah. I was ready. And then Thursday comes in and I had this pretty bad migraine. I was throwing up. I did not feel well. I was working from the hospital. So and that day, I just didn't like turn my camera on for any meetings but I just did not feel well and when they came in I said um they always ask me like any headaches you know the mm-hmm. preeclampsia symptoms blurry vision and I said I just have this migraine it's pretty bad like it's making me throw up and my blood pressure was still very high that whole week and he said yeah I think it's time we're gonna have to start you on magnesium mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. So I ate. Like I asked the nurse, I'm like, can I eat? And she's like, sure. I'm like, okay. So I ate, which the doctor was not happy about that. Um, so that was 5 p.m. Thursday. And then the next morning at like 8 a.m., they did another ultrasound. And MFN came back and he said, we looked at your ultrasound. There, um, There's a reverse Doppler. So that's when you know, the nutrients are leaving like placenta and they're not getting to the baby. Mm. And um, he said, there's an 80% chance she will die over the weekend if we <gasps> oh don't deliver. Oh my gosh. Oh, Alexa. I know, which till this day, like, I won't forget that. And I'm a data person. That's what I do for work. So I'm just like, okay, like it's time to have the baby, like 80% chance. That's very bad. And um, so I said to him, like, so she's coming out. He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, like, let's do it. 
And by the time he came in, it was like 10 a.m. And she was here at 12.30. So they moved pretty fast. Wow. After that. Did you have like an emergency C-section then? So I guess it's considered emergent because the plan was 34 weeks. Sure. But I think they were kind of ready because they started me on the magnesium the night before. Sure. So, um, so I will say I was pretty high. I don't know if you, magnesium like, is so yeah. rough. Oh my gosh! I don't know how you guys felt, but I was <laughs> woo. Yeah. Uh, so I don't remember much. I just remember asking the nurse, like, "Am I gonna be able to eat?" And she's like, "You can eat after." I'm like, "Okay, I need you to have ready." She said, "I have popsicles." I'm like, "I need popsicles after this." <laughs> and she said, "You might not feel very well after." I'm like, "No, no, like I'm gonna need some popsicles." And she said, "Okay." <laughs> Um, so, like, I was you focused had, on food. You were really missing those slushies. I really was. I really was. But also, like, I love that too. Like, there is such a because there's like urgency of the moment, but you can't think straight. So you're like trying to plan, you know. Especially if you're like a planner, so you're like, "Ooh, what can I do? Popsicles. That's yeah. it. I'm gonna be, you know." I know. Yeah. I really, I really, I really am a planner. So I was. <laughs> Like, okay. And I will say that from like being serious, I felt such a sense of peace when they said she needed to come. Mm -hmm. Like I told Nathan, I'm like, if I feel this bad, like she can't be okay Mm -hmm. inside of me. Right. Um, So, and I never had like the fear of like something bad happening. Like I was like, yeah, she's going to come and she's going to want to nick you and she'll be fine. Like I'll be fine. Like I did not, I never thought something bad's going to happen. Um. And then, but also, I was so like clueless, right, with everything. Like, I did not do any research. I was just like in La La Land. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then, so she was born, and I did get my popsicles as soon as it came out. <laughs> I had like four, <laughs> and um, I did not get to see her until seven p.m. that night. So I had to stay on magnesium for twenty-four hours, mm-hmm. and I cannot go to the NICU while you're a magnesium which I just learned that now with Luca I did not know that mm-hmm. back then but then so they took me up and I remember they took me up but she's like oh you had to stand up and scrub and me thinking how am I gonna stand from this wheelchair like I know yeah yeah, yeah. oh my gosh it's like and they're okay. like two minutes and they're like don't get in your IV you know what I mean yeah. I know I'm like okay <laughs> like but I did it and I saw her and I remember being obsessed with her little toes. Like her toes were just so perfect. And I took a, if you look at my pictures, it's like a million photos of her toes. That's what I took. <laughs> um, so after that, I stayed in the hospital for an extra six days. I was pretty sick. Like when I think about, like I went home uh, taking 16 pills a day for blood pressure to keep wow. it down. Um, but like I was back. I'm like, okay, I'm going to come back to NICU. And I do remember thinking like, how am I going to walk from the car to the NICU? Mm-hmm. Like when I would come visit, like I, but I didn't. Um, but then she was in the NICU and it was pretty uneventful. Like she, um, I held her like four days after she was born, which I was still in the hospital at that point. Mm-hmm. And I will say, it was good, right? That it was pretty uneventful. Um, she had problems with oxygen and um, feeding. 
So we couldn't start feeding until she was off of CPAP. Mm-hmm. But she was on CPAP till like 36 weeks, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And at that point, that's when they talked to me. And they're like, okay, like she's still on CPAP. She hasn't progressed. Um, do you want to start doing steroids? And I did not understand much. Like, the, the, I knew it was a big deal because the doctor came to talk to me about it. And it wasn't just my nurses telling me about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I, I remember looking at my nurse like, what do you think I should do? And she's like, yeah, you should do it. I'm like, okay, like I would do it. Um, so we did steroids that helped bring her down to, um, I want to say high flow. And I just knew that the next step that she went to, we could go home in that. So the whole time we celebrated that we're like, it doesn't matter if she even comes off of oxygen, we can go home like on this level, like we can take her home with oxygen. And that's when we started, trying to breastfeed that lasted like a week and <laughs> that did not last very long and then we tried bottles and she also wasn't doing great and um the nurse told me she's like I think she really has reflux and I did trust like my primaries I trusted them with everything and she said I think we should try formula she may like it better it may be better if she has reflux and they kind of knew that I wasn't really loving pumping So we talked to the doctor and he said, it's up to you. He said, "Um, some parents are like, no, like it has to be breast milk. Some parents do not care. Some parents say um, whatever can get them home faster. And I said, whatever can get her home faster. Mm -hmm. And we switched to formula and we tried that for a few weeks and it wasn't improving. And one of our primary nurses said to me, have you considered going home on the NG tube? Which I did not even know that was an option. Like the whole time they're like, no, like she has to be eating by mouth to go home. So we were just sitting there waiting. But she said that. She said, I think that it's just going to take her a while. Like I see how she eats and, you know, she still needs the oxygen and she may just need some time for her lungs to grow and then for her to later be able to um, like eat by mouth. So you should ask the doctor. So then I started Googling all these things like, oh my gosh, is this a thing? You can go home with NG tubes? Like, <laughs> um, and I, so I saw him and I told him and he was, I caught him pretty off guard. He was very like in and out all the time. Like he will come in, check her super fast and just get out. And this time he like came in and sat on his um, chair. He closed the door. So I knew it was serious and he was not very, I don't think he was very happy that someone told me that she could go home on the NG tube. Mm-hmm. But he said, just give me a week. He's like, let's give her an extra week. We have her own formula now. Let's try it another week and then see what happens. And I said, okay. And at this point we were past her due date too, um, which I think that's oh, why that nurse yeah. said that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the week passed and, you know, I'm a planner. So I like had all these things of why I needed to convince the doctor that we could go home with NG tube. I'm like, I had all this data. Like, it, we've tried eating by mouth for like five weeks. Like, we can we can do it at home if we're just gonna wait it out. Like, let's just wait it out at home. And I was ready for him to come see us, and she did not improve, so I didn't think he was gonna let us go home. And he came in and he said, "Well, what do you think?" Which just threw me off because I was like 
oh, like I was waiting for him to say something and me just like respond, but I wasn't expecting him to ask me what I thought. And I was like, well, I think we should go home. And he said, yeah, I agree. And ah. Oh my gosh. I know. Surprise. I know. I was like, oh my gosh. So I said, when? Like, when do you think? And it was, that was a Monday. And he said, well, probably by Thursday, like, we'll have to, you know, get you guys trained on the NG2. We had to, um, we had to get CPR certified. He said, we had to order equipment for the feeding, um, like the feeding pump. We have to get oxygen. Like, it's just going to take a while. So he said, a social worker will come and she'll come talk to you. And I said, okay. And then she came in and she's like, I really think I can get you guys out of here by Wednesday. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh my gosh, okay. Like I can go home Wednesday. And then she left and she came back and she said, I called everybody and we can get you out of here tomorrow if you want. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. And I was like, oh, yes. So I went from like, okay, I have some days to like prepare at home to no days but I took it I'm like yes like we can go like and um so yeah it just happened super fast then we got trained so we went in on Tuesday and we got trained for everything like CPR the NG tube yeah um, oxygen just everything and so she came home on oxygen too yes okay oh oh my gosh how did you feel about I'm taking on those like extra medical duties in addition to being like brand new mama at home. I think at that point I was so excited to go home Mm -hmm. that I was like, oh, we got this. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And we were on day 88. So, and for some reason in my mind, I was like, I just don't want to be here for 90 days. I don't know why that was right. I was obsessed with this 90 day thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Like I could control it, you know, but right, um, but it, you, you kind of like set mini goals in your head. I totally understand what you mean. Yeah. Yes. So I felt okay until we got home and then mm-hmm. we got home and we had to set up the pump and it was time to, like, by the time we made it home, it was time for her to eat again. And then yeah. the pump wasn't ready. And then we had to, the oxygen person met us at home. That's, that is a lot. So, and I mean, like you said too, like the timing of the feedings is so close when they're that age. So then you get home and it's like, okay, run, 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 go, go, go. Yes. And we had a dog, so I had to introduce her to the oh, dog. Oh and God. like, it just all happened so fast. But, and then we had like equipment everywhere. Like there was just stuff everywhere and they gave us a ton of things to bring home. It was it was so overwhelming when we came home and I knew like, okay, the journey's not over because we came home on all these things. And now she's just a medically complex baby. So it wasn't like, Oh, we're home. Everything's perfect. And we're done. Um, and then the, we had to go see the pediatrician and I went to the pediatrician. I'm like, okay, like what's the plan? Like we have the NG tube. We came home on sodium medicine, which I guess is not typical to come home on that medicine. And um, obviously oxygen. And I was like, what's the plan? Like how are we going to wean her from the NG tube? And she, there was no plan. Like She's like, oh, we'll just, you have to come in every week. We'll weigh her, see how she's doing. And we'll just go from there. And that was not going well. Um, so she was not gaining enough weight and she kept pulling out her NG tube, which wasn't great to always have to put it back in. And it was a hot mess. So one time I didn't put it back in and I 
continue to fed her and she started eating more without it, but she was not gaining weight. So she didn't lose weight, but she didn't gain any weight. And the uh, pediatrician's like, no, like you have to put it back in. She can't just not gain any weight. Mm -hmm. So then I put it back in and then she stopped like drinking from the bottle again. So I, something was just telling me like, you need, like we needed more help. Yeah. And so I went, we went back to the pediatrician the next week and I was like, okay, so what's going on? Like, why isn't she eating more? And she's like, we don't know. This just like, it just may take time. And I was like, well, I want to be referred to the, um, to a feeding program, which I did research on and our children's hospital had one. And I was like, I want to be referred to that program. And I'll give it to her. She's like, okay, that's fine. Like, and she referred us there. And she told me, she's like, you have to put the tube back in until you can get in. And I was like, no, I don't want to put the tube back in, which I do not recommend (laughs) that people sass their pediatrician. (laughs) But I was like, no, I'm not doing it. So she called and got us an appointment for like four days later. So I think she just knew that I was being very sassy. Um, (laughs) Well, I mean, I... I mean, I think you're going through a lot of stuff. I, it, you were in the NICU, you came home and then immediately transitioned into this like new battle of figuring out what's the right way to, to get Allie fed, you know, and that, that must've been so stressful for you. It was, we went from having someone tell me what to do mm-hmm. to now, like I had to figure it out, right? Like right. there's no more doctors or primary nurses, which I did keep in contact with them and I would text them and tell them what was happening. But um, now it was just up to me, right? And then I could go into the doctor and asking questions, but they didn't know. And I didn't like that. Like, I'm like, no one knows. Like, I just, I needed more help. Mm-hmm. So we have feeding and then we have pulmonology. And then we also were doing lab works every week because to wean off that sodium medicine, the only way to know if it was working is to get blood taken out which in the NICU you don't even notice they used to do it like in the morning right and but now we had to take her and she was so small that not everybody knew how to take the blood out mm. and um that was a whole thing we ended up having to go to the ER a few times because of lab errors because the blood wasn't like something happened with the blood and it didn't work correctly oh my gosh. this was every week Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. And not to, not to mention the fact that like you were carrying all of your medical supplies to and from these appointments, which is like a lot of stuff. Yes. And then I used to have to do math. Like, okay, this tank can last me two hours. So right. then you have to make sure like, okay, wait, let's switch to a new tank. And I had this stress, like, we got to go straight home. Like, what if we run out of oxygen? Right. We always had a ton of extra oxygen on purpose, but you just never know. Right. So and, and what month when did when did she come home from the NICU? Like what month in what year? I'm sorry, I lost the entire year of 2020. So I'm just trying oh, to put it all no, together. No problem. Yeah. So December of 2019, we came home. Oh my god. She gosh. was born September 2019. Wow. Okay. So everybody remembers what happened in in a little bit later, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that P word. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So how far into it did you get a sense that 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 was happening? Or was this still kind of in early 2020? This was all happening in January 2020. And I think here everything started shutting down in March 
Right. Which, um, which maybe that was everywhere else too. But we had appointments in March that then started getting canceled. No. And pushed. So um, we had nephrology. So one of those, we kept going to the ER, wrong lab work. And I finally said, okay, we need to see nephrology because the uncle doctor that we always got, we always got the same uncle doctor. Mm-hmm. He's like, why aren't you seeing nephrology? I'm like, I don't know. So then I asked our pediatrician, I'm like, why aren't we seeing nephrology? And she said, I said, she said she put a referral for nephrology, but that was in January and we couldn't get until March when COVID mm-hmm. happened. They canceled it. They pushed it to April. Then in April, they canceled it again. They pushed it to May. So it was like that, even for oxygen as well. So we ended up getting off oxygen in July of 2020 because the sleep study got pushed so many times. We finally were able to get in in July. Wow. So So did you get approved then for the – so you started the feeding lab though or the feeding therapy, right? We were at that point? Okay. Oh, yeah. So we went to feeding therapy in January, and they were so amazing. Like I will say – I thought that Ali had reflux and she just had all the signs and I asked for reflux medicine and they said, no, the pediatrician said, no, they're like, we don't like to start that with them when they're this young. And I went there and I just explained what was happening. And she's like, yep, like we'll start you on reflux medicine. Like I didn't have to fight anybody. She's like, mm-hmm. we will. Um, I told them the goal that the NICU gave us on feedings per week and they rearranged that they they gave us a new dietitian they increased her calories which is something I had to ask for too I'm like can we increase the calories see if she can gain more weight and they didn't want to do that um but they did it they increased the calories they gave us reflux medicine and she told me we didn't have to worry about the tube unless she didn't meet the goal for the day of ounces that she had to take so she's like by nighttime if she hasn't met the goal then you need to use the tube and like drop the milk through the NG tube, Mm -hmm. which is different than what we had her before. Mm -hmm. So that was so helpful because I'm like, okay, we have a realistic goal, like Mm -hmm. something specifically made uh, for Allie. And they said that we didn't have to come back for three months, which for the pediatrician, we were going every week. So I was like, oh my gosh, you're going to trust me for three months (laughs) to just do all these things? Like, I was so happy. So, okay, girlfriend. Martha, I don't know about you, but are you feeling like there are so many layers right now? I know. Well, it's it's a lot. Like, yeah, exactly. I was just going to say it's a lot of layers, but you literally just said that. I'm just like still kind of feeling from all of the, you know, really it's been nonstop. Like yeah. you you were discharged, but then it was like fight, 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 you know, and advocating for Allie and getting her where she needs to be and, and really being the, the person who knows her and her behaviors best and, and fighting until you find the right providers too. Like, I can't commend you enough for, for pushing back. I know you call it being sassy, but really it's just being the mama a, bear in you. Yeah. It's, you're just defending yeah. your daughter, which is incredible because you were healing too at the time, right? Yes, I ended up, so I think I was on blood pressure medicine for a whole month. I think I got off in October and then they, (laughs) I only laughed because I went back in December and she said we had to do a heart test to just double check because it was about three months after um, I had her to just make sure everything was okay. And then the cardiologist said, um, 
she's like, okay, you need two full years for your body to heal. And she wow. said, I don't, and then she said like, I don't, um, she's like, I'm sad. I'm not going to have to see you again until you get pregnant again. And I kind of laughed and I didn't say anything, but I left there like, yeah, right. Like <laughs> I have no intentions on being pregnant for a long time. Um, but then around this time, what? <laughs> May of 2020, then we found out we were pregnant with Luca. Oh my goodness. Okay. Before we hop into that, because yes. <laughs> that is like the part two of this episode, I want to, I guess I want to ask you, like, you know, you had mentioned a few times throughout the episode, like you just kind of, you did it because you kind of had to, right? Like you weren't really given an option. It was like, okay, baby's coming this weekend. Okay. And then you come home with the NG tube, you come home on oxygen and you have this new world of like, not only mom, but also like medical mom and medical complex mom. And do you feel like, you know, when did you feel like you had the capacity or mental space to begin to process everything? Do you feel like, when did that happen for you? So when I came, I got discharged on a Thursday and I will say by that Friday, I just knew something was off. Like literally the next day I was, I could tell I was so depressed Mm -hmm. and I just kept crying. And I told Nathan, I'm like, something's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and he was like, he didn't say yeah, (laughs) but he, you know, he said like, yeah, like if you want help, like I should get some help. And um, I called like right away the EAP and asked for a therapist. Mm-hmm. And um, I started seeing a therapist right away, which I will say it was hard because I kept thinking, I don't want to spend an hour talking to you when I could be yeah. home, I could be mm-hmm. with my baby in the NICU. Like I did not want to be with her. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I did have this fear that Ali was going to die. I was very um, paranoid about it. And I did not want any photos posted of her. So I did not post photos of her for a long time. Like I did not want people to see her in that state. And then like her die. Cause in my mind, like she could die any moment. And I didn't want people to see that. And I just kept, I was trying to do everything by myself and not talk to anyone about it other than my therapist. And she suggested, um, she's like, why don't you start talking about it? And that's when I started sharing more. She's like, just try, see how you feel about it after just one post. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I started sharing more. So it was helping me heal. Um, so yeah, I was, I don't even remember what the question was. No. no, you answered it beautifully. And I think you bring up a really, um, something that we don't talk about a lot. And we mention it briefly on our social media here and there, but you know, we talk about this, the vulnerability it is to share about your kids while they're in the NICU and also the importance of having those boundaries with family and friends. And we did a post recently about, you know, really communicating with family and friends of saying like, hey, I don't want pictures. I'm not ready. And I'm really, you know, I'm I'm glad that your therapist encouraged you and pushed you in that way. And I'm also glad that you also took time to feel ready for that because to post about your children in the NICU and in that state is so vulnerable. And so I'm really glad that you mentioned this because it's something that we don't talk about a lot. Yeah. And I also, I didn't have anybody to 
relate, right? Like I, right. no one in my life had gone through this. Right. That's when I started doing like NICU searches. And that's how I found <sighs> you guys. And I found another NICU mom on Instagram mm-hmm. and she shared her journey and she posted everything. Like she had a page just on um like her naked journey and mm. there were all these photos everywhere and I was like oh my gosh she's so brave like mm. she's posting all these things I reached out to her I never do that but I like sent her a message and I was like I love that you're posting this like because it just gave me some hope I wasn't ready yet but mm. it helped yeah. me um that she was doing it yeah yeah that's beautiful I isn't that so amazing like she was posting these things and and even though you were like did that thing you never do right and reached out like there's so much she was doing for you that that you were experiencing silently, right? That was making such a huge difference. And then mm-hmm. the same thing, right? Now you are being so brave and vulnerable and sharing your story. And then there's going to be mamas who listen to this and they they will feel just like you did. And I just think that's so beautiful, Alexa. And, and I can't commend you enough again for for seeing early how, um, how to take care of yourself and heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not only did you advocate for, for Allie, but you also advocated for yourself really beautifully. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry that I interrupted you as you were hopping right into Lucas's part, but I wanted to just really quick ask that. So let's talk about that. Was conceiving Luca and finding out you were pregnant was that a surprise was that something that you were planning on like what was that like oh it was a surprise really um, <laughs> I I kept having dreams that I was pregnant and oh. I was telling my cardiologist because she said I had to wait two years and in my dreams I was like oh my gosh she's gonna be so mad at me <laughs> like, she's gonna be so mad I'm gonna have to tell her that I'm pregnant and I don't know why I kept having these dreams and I told Nathan like I'm having these weird dreams but I did not take a test I waited like three days and then it was our anniversary and he bought us a bottle of wine and something was just telling me like before you take like drink anything take a test so I took a test and right before like I took it something told me like it's gonna say yes but (laughs) And then I was like, no way. I let, I didn't even look at it. I just put it down. I went to play with Allie and I just, I forgot about it. I was just like playing with her. And then Nathan went to wash his hands and I was like, oh yeah, I took a test. Can you just tell me what it says? <sighs> and, um, he said, it says yes. And I said, no way. Oh my gosh. And then <laughs> like, literally I was freaking out. I'm like, no way. And I ran to the bathroom to look at it and there it was. I said yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so it was for sure a surprise. And what were your initial feelings about it? Uh, I started crying right away. I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to keep me in the hospital. That's what I kept thinking. Oh, yeah. It's like, they're going to keep me in the hospital and I'm not going to be able to be with Allie. Right. And I had this fear throughout the whole pregnancy. I could not handle the whole leaving Allie when I had to be in the hospital thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what that was about, but um, that was my whole thing. That's why I started crying right away. I posted that night on our Dear Nikki Mama Facebook. I asked Nathan if I could because um, I just needed to talk to other people and I just needed like some hope. I was freaking out. I think I posted at like 10 p.m. 
And um, then I spent all night researching providers because I did not love my OB. And that's something that I realized when my therapist as we were working through things, like there was just a lack of trust of what happened. So I'm like, I need yeah. to find a new OB. Mm-hmm. I sent an email to my cardiologist. I talked to you ladies. Like I went to full, pl- I was up all night. I think I was up like 3 a.m. like researching things. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's, that's exactly the right thing to do. I mean, which is listening to your instinct and your gut, which is like, this isn't right. And I think it's hard because you, we hear, you know, what do they call it? White coat syndrome, right? So anytime somebody in a white coat tells you that this is the way or whatever, you kind of are supposed to take it, right? And just at face value. But when you go through medical crisis, you you realize there's a lot more nuance to medicine and science and that a huge part of it is, is like you said, trusting them, you know, with your body and your baby. That's huge. Yes. And for Allie, that was like a quick side story, but I was in there for so long and one of my nurses came to see me. The one that was there when I delivered, she, that was a Friday. She came on Monday. She's like, what are you doing here? And I said, I don't know. My blood pressure is not behaving. And she said, do you know what you have to do to go home? And I said, no. And she said, you have to see um, Dr. O, which is the cardiologist. And she said, use your type A attitude and ask your nurse to put a referral in. She's like, you don't have to wait for your doctor. She's like, just ask. Like, But I was still like, my actual OB never suggested it. And I was, I so I didn't. I just, I don't know why. I just didn't ask. And she she told me, she's like, do you want me to go do it? And I said, yes. And even then I hesitated. And she went and she put in the referral for me. And even then the doctor the next day said no. She's like, no, I don't think you need to see her. And um, then that night, my blood pressure spiked again. And then they ended up having to hook me up to, like, all these monitors because I was at risk for stroke, like, all these things. And then I was so mad. I'm like, this is why I asked for the cardiologist. And you guys didn't want to, like, let me see her. And now I'm over here hooked up to all these machines, getting all this medicine pumped into like my V that made like me bottom out. And then I had migraines. It was this whole thing. Right. And then the next day I was like, I want to see like the cardiologist. And then I saw her and then I was able to go home being followed by her. So yeah, yes, to the trust issues and like not, I don't, I just trusted like everything with those doctors, but trust issues later. And, and I, and it was, it, I'm so glad that you have found like other providers, like your therapist and that nurse who like empowered you to make choices. You know, that's, that's the type of relationship it should be, you know? Um, and it makes sense too, because uh, that's the hardest thing when your baby is fighting for their life, but you're stuck in a bed two floors away. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. that's that, that's so hard and can be very traumatic. So. What was it like, you know, were you, I'm assuming you were like called high risk right away with Luca. And so what was your pregnancy like with him as far as like being monitored and, and watched? What was that like? Yes. So I had the OB and then the cardiologist from the beginning and she followed me every month. So I saw her every single month and she suggested that we started at the baby aspirin from the beginning well at 12 weeks and then 
I switched OBs. I um I honestly found him by doing some research and like somebody else left a review saying that he was really good for high risk pregnancy. So I'm like, this is the doctor that I wanted. So First of I- all, I love your research brain and I love how much of it we're getting to see on this episode. It's something I didn't know about you, but I love it. <laughs> so, yeah. So I found him that way. And then um, I had that. And But even from then, the first like 20 weeks, they were pretty chill. So I had a million questions, of course. Mm-hmm. And they kind of were like, well, with preeclampsia, there's nothing really extra we need to do until 20 weeks because it doesn't really start until after 20 weeks. And they all thought that I would get it earlier this time. So they're like, you probably will get it and you'll probably get it before 28 weeks. And so at 20 weeks, I saw MFM and they checked everything. Everything looked good. And they said, like, we don't think we have to follow you, which is a huge win. But he said, I'm going to recommend that your OB sees you every four weeks for um, to do growth ultrasounds because I could still have IUGR without the preeclampsia. And that's what they wanted to check that for. And he said, after 28 weeks, I think he needs to see you every single week. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did that, plus the cardiologist appointments. And when I made it to 28 weeks... I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what to expect anymore. Like, I was like, what happens now? (laughs) And he said, well, this is when like, you're going to start feeling more pregnant and you may get more uncomfortable. But about 32 weeks, I want to say, I started getting like higher blood pressure. So he wanted to see me twice a week. Oh, wow. And then do blood work every single week. So it's like, I want to start doing blood works also once a week um, just to make sure your kidneys are working okay. So he was very conservative. And that's the one thing everyone keeps saying, like, he's very conservative. Um, but I loved it. I'm like, yep, check everything. Like, yeah. I want to make sure, like, we're good. Mm-hmm. Then also in one of my ultrasounds, I had too much fluid. So that was, I cannot remember what it's called, but that was a whole other thing that I got diagnosed mm. with. So... He's like, okay, well, let's do ultrasounds now every week too to measure um, like the fluid and make sure the baby's doing okay and the specific name that I cannot think of. So we were doing those every week plus the weekly ultrasounds plus seeing him twice a week. And we, and then I told him like, okay, I'm at 32. I'm like, I can make it. I just need to make it a 37, right? Like that was my goal, 37 weeks were a term. That was my goal in my head. And he said, well, we're going to have a few goals. We're going to try to make it a 34 first and then 36 and then 37, which I don't know why that blew my mind. I was like, oh, I didn't even know we had to have any concerns to even make it to 34. But Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, small baby step goals. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So we made it to 34 and he was 35 weeks was Christmas day. Mm -hmm. And I was again, freaking out. What if I'm not here for Christmas? I'm going to miss Christmas and I'm not going to be there for Allie's Christmas and like this whole thing. I was freaking out. And then he was going on vacation for Christmas. And of course, the one week he's out, look, I was misbehaving. (laughs) (laughs) And they sent me to the hospital, which with COVID, 
um, you know, we still have like strict rules with Allie and who can stay with her and see her. So Nathan stayed with her and I had mom come with me because we didn't want anyone to stay with her um, without getting a COVID test first. And it was last minute. And they said, um, like, I needed to go right away. And I just didn't want to be there by myself. Mm-hmm. So then mom came with me and I still felt okay. My cardiologist came to see me and the uncle doctor like saw me. They did a 24 hour test. Everything was okay. So they sent me home and then I was like, okay, I just need to make it until the doctor comes back. I'm like, one more week. And right after Christmas, my blood pressure was, it was just spiking. I could tell like he was going to keep me when I went to see him that Monday. So we had everything ready. Mom, mom got her COVID test. Um, Nathan like was ready. He had his backpack and I went to see them. He couldn't come with me. So he was just hanging out downstairs and they said like, yeah, you need to like go to triage. And at that point I was 36 and three. And I was like, okay, I'll go over there. And they're like, no, no, like you cannot walk. Like we'll have to, <laughs> we'll have to wheel you over there. I'm like, oh, okay. So, so tons of appointments. I was on baby aspirin the whole time. They just kept saying like, we're going to watch you like a hawk. And they did. Mm-hmm. So. And what was that like emotionally for you? I like, I was grateful, but it was a lot. Like towards the end, I just kept thinking like, oh my gosh. I mean, And just like COVID, like Ali couldn't come with me. So we always had to find someone to stay with her. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're keeping them like she's supposed to be um, isolated during the winter season. So it was like, okay, who do we let like come stay with her? So half the time it was Nathan because he couldn't come with me. So I did all those appointments by myself. Because like, wow. even he couldn't come with me anyway. So then he just had to make sure he was home from work. And then, which he ended up being able to do most of the time because of um, COVID, he could work from home. And then he stayed with Allie and then I could do that. So it was, it was pretty exhausting. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, at the same time, right, you're, you're going through the experience of a high-risk pregnancy, but also hitting those one-year anniversaries with Allie's stuff too, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I know all the mamas listening know exactly what I mean. You know, it's the anniversary of, okay, this is when I was admitted to the hospital and delivery and, uh, you know, graduation from the NICU. But how did that all feel? You know, how did you balance that out with parenting Allie? It was so, it was emotional. I will say it was, it was also a bit distracting to have her like in a good way. So I, I, you know, like you have a toddler running around. So, and it was, we were able to like celebrate, like we had our first birthday. So I think I was distracted with a lot of her things. I didn't have time to freak out as much for the pregnancy, but then there were days when it was I could tell like it was consuming me, like the anxiety of the pregnancy. And then I had to be like, no, no, like put it aside. Let's focus on, you know, like first, you know, like when we came home, like it's been a year, like the birthday, the, like you said, like when we came home, first Thanksgiving at home, um, you know, Christmas, like I wanted to be there for Christmas. Like this one that she got to, you know, know what's, what was going on. The first one, she was only like two weeks old. So adjusted. So um, it was a lot. Yes. 
Yeah. And he was born, did not have a NICU stay, correct? Yeah, no NICU stay. So he, um, the doctor sent him to the hospital and he said he did not want to deliver him, which gave me anxiety because I was again into this, how long am I going to be in the hospital? But um, he's like, I'm going to let you get more sick. I kept saying like, I don't want to get as sick as I was last time. And he's like, right. I may let you get a little bit more sick if it means keeping him inside you. Like, as long as he's doing okay, he didn't want to deliver me. Mm -hmm. um, and then, but he said, if you get any of the uh, preeclampsia symptoms of, you know, the blurry vision, the headaches, then we will deliver you. And he made me go that Monday. He's like, I just want you. He's like, I just feel concerned. Because he, he let me go home. And then he called me after he sent me to the hospital. They kept me there. And they're like, no, actually, we think you can go home. Went home. Mom left. I was very excited. Then he called me after 5 p.m. And he's like, I don't know. I just have a feeling that you need to be in the hospital. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> I know. And I just started crying. So I was like, I, I did not want to go back. Like, I just came home. And I was so glad to be home. And um, he's like, I just, he's like, I think you need to be in the hospital. It would just make me really feel better if you were there. So I was like, okay, well, I need to find someone to come stay with Allie again. And um, he's like, okay, just, he's like, I'll call you because, you know, the line shut down and I wouldn't be able to call because it was after hours. He's like, I'll call you in a few minutes and just let me know. So we went back and that was Monday night. And then Luca was born Tuesday night. Mm. So he was right. Mm. Um and no NICU stay it was also it was um an emergency one like my blood pressure started going up and my cardiologist was concerned but it wasn't like a crazy number but she's like you have a headache and you have some blurry vision and your protein's so high she's like I'm gonna talk to your OB so because she came to see me and she talked to the OB the on-call one at that point because it was after hours and she came in and it was, it was so fast. It was like, it was shift change. Then the nurses come in, my blood pressure started spiking. Nathan went downstairs to get some food <laughs> and then he came up and I was like, oh, they said we're going to deliver. And he's like, what? Like I went away for five seconds. <laughs> like I was like, yeah, tonight. And he was, so that was like seven, eight and he was born at nine mm. 29. Mm. Wow. But no NICU stay. So that was good. And it was 36 and 4 I was awake for the whole time like I mean I was awake for Allie but I was for sure hallucinating and like that yeah. magnesium God bless the magnesium yes exactly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that stuff is something else I Let's know <laughs> I remember thinking that like Ree Drummond the pioneer woman from oh Food Network God. was in the room <laughs> <laughs> I was like Ree is that you I made your enchilada casserole it was delicious of all of the people that you <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I am never going to see Ree Drummond the same. I'm always going to yeah. think of you on Magnesium now. I was like, Ree, that you? <laughs> anyway. I, I just that remember them being like, you'll probably taste, you know, it'll pro metal. probably have a weird p right. metal taste in your mouth and it might feel like you're peeing your pants and that your body's on fire. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to that. <laughs> I remember being like, it like all happens too. Cause you're like, oh yeah, I do take the metal. And then you're like, oh, I'm getting hot. And then you're like, oh, like it's just. <laughs> oh my God. 
gosh. Such for, <laughs> for Ali, I for sure was saying like Oompa Loompas. Oh my like, gosh. And then oh it was God. like pink walls and yellow walls. Like I was like, oh. And I remember telling the guy, I'm like, I'm hallucinating. Like I told them. And they were like, oh, okay. Like, I, Lexa, I love that you hallucinate Oompa Loompas and Martha hallucinates Rejumman. The, the vast difference of hallucinations we can all have is quite comical. I know. I think that's the funniest part about it, too, is that one time you are like, this is happening, but also you're very aware that it's because of the drugs, right? Yeah. So like you said, you're like, I need to inform them that I'm hallucinating. <laughs> like, excuse me, sir. I am hallucinating. Um, sir, my body's on fire. <laughs> like something different. Oh gosh. Yeah. It's funny and it's not funny all at the same time. It's hilarious. Oh, oh man. Oh well, how then like so you were oh you're kind of you're lucid, right? You're awake and stuff. Um, how was it to have this completely different delivery experience? It was pretty amazing. I for Ali, I was also freaking out when they were doing a C section. Like I felt like I couldn't breathe. But so I was expecting all of that. But like I was fine. I do remember just watching. Like I was waiting for um I like waiting for him to come. And then I just I was watching the NICU team, which for Ali was like five people and we only had two for him. But um I just I was just staring at them. I was trying to listen to the whole conversation. Like I could hear everything. And um then I saw them do CPAP on him and then they came and talked to me. They're like, Yeah, um, we did like five minutes of CPAP. He is doing better. We're just gonna keep him down here. Cause typically they take them up if they are less than thirty-seven weeks. But she's like, We'll just keep him down here, see how he does. And um, if not, then we'll take him up. And the whole time, like, I was just sitting there praying, like, please, God, like, let him stay down here. Like, that's just, I just kept saying that prayer, like, over and over and over. And she said he could stay down here. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I told Nathan, I'm like, go stand by him. He's over there all alone. Like, because they left. And he was just, like, chilling his little bed. I'm like, go stand next to him. <laughs> like, I want him next to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best part, I will say, is that he got to ride with me back to the um, – the bedroom they asked they're like he can ride like on top of you or he he can be um he needed to be like on his bed but they let me like take him so he was on top of me and we could ride back that's so beautiful they started me on magnesium by the way after they still had to do it (laughs) but what'd you see that time <laughs> Actually, this time I was good. <laughs> you didn't see Oompa Loompa's Orby Drummond, so yeah, we're good. No, I was good. Oh man, oh, Lexa, you just have so many, so many layers to your story, and like you've been such an uh, intricate part of our sisterhood from the beginning. But I'm loving getting to hear all of the little pieces that make up your story, what it is, and. I, I know that this episode is just going to be really hope-filled for mamas who have that question of, you know, should we? Can we? You know, what does that look like? And obviously, you know, always meet with a provider, <laughs> you know, before making those big decisions. But your story just has so much hope in it for mamas that are wondering about baby number two or three. And so it's just so beautiful to hear all of the little moments that make your story your own. Yes. 
So maybe, Alexa, to end this episode, what encouragement would you have for other preemie mamas who are hoping to have more children? Or maybe I should say preeclampsia mamas who are hoping to have more children. So I will say that it may be a scary time. Like, I think that, you know, it's just going to be filled with anxiety. But if you have the right care team, like, you will be okay. Like, I think it's so important to have just the care team that you trust, like, with, like, you and your body and your baby, whether that's, um, like, I have my therapist and my cardiologist and my OB. And um, I just truly think that we are here and we're okay and because of them. Yeah. I love that. You know, I'm reflecting on all that you shared with us here. I think... Um, you're someone who is obviously you're a doer, you're a planner, right? Like you said, like you do data for your life, right? So from the second you found out something was wrong until today, you are advocating for yourself, using facts and research, which is your love language, right? To <laughs> to make yourself feel safe and to to protect your kids. And and I think ultimately that's the the encouragement, right? Like you know your children and you know yourself best. And you deserve, and you deserve that advocacy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like trust your mom gut, like always. Like I think sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm being like crazy because the doctor would tell tells you one thing, and then I think, well, they went to school for this, like they're the expert, and like I'm not an expert, but I just feel like if something's telling you something, just always speak up because I didn't at first and I had other moms, other Nikki mamas tell me like, no, like you speak up. Even when something bothered me, like I was in there for Ali's bath one day and I was upset about it. And she's like, no, like you go back in there and you tell them to not give them a bath until you're there. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, like, <laughs> yeah, I will say that. So like always speak up, trust your mom gut. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Such a good reminder. Well, Alexa, thank you so much for sharing your story. There was so much to unpack and so much to digest, and you really embody what it means to advocate and really embrace that inner mama bear, and you did it so well both in the NICU and out of the NICU and also in your pregnancy with Luca. And so thank you so much for you know sharing and giving all of us that little boost of courage that we need to trust our mom gut because, Mama, you are ultimately know your baby best. And Martha kind of mentioned it earlier too, the relationship with your provider should be one in which you both have, it's a conversation. It's a conversation that ebbs and it flows and it evolves as your baby progresses and has setbacks. And so, you know, find that team that really allows you to have that conversation and you are worthy of that care. So mamas, we hope that this episode encourages you today to really advocate and trust that mama gut of yours and also just offers you some hope that you are never, ever alone. And so thank you as always for being in this space with us and we'll catch you guys next time. If you love this podcast and would like to hear more amazing stories, please consider becoming a member of the Dear NICU Mama Patreon page. In addition to special merchandise and early access to content, Patreon members support the mission, programs, and services of Dear NICU Mama. You can find the link on the description of this episode. As always, if you'd like to hear more from Dear NICU Mama, click subscribe. Welcome to the sisterhood.